Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Look, Ray, sometimes the job of a sports talk radio host is to make a bigger deal out of a game than it actually really is. Not necessarily one of your broadcasting strengths. <laughs> uh, and, and not something I like diving into. I, I don't want to tell you that there's something there when there isn't really an awful lot of there there. We have reached officially there's a lot of there there in the NBA's regular season for the Golden State Warriors. You got three, excuse me, you have four through ten separated by three games in the Western Conference. You have a Warriors team that is without two of its best players trying to hold on tonight against a team they're in a dead heat for, the five seed, with the Clippers, a team that always has a little something for the Warriors. It's just never an easy game. And then tomorrow night, it's the Pelicans, which if that wasn't a big enough marquee of a matchup for you to worry about, it's a back-to-back. How often do the Warriors on a back-to-back offer you eh, nothing to worry about in that second game. It doesn't happen a lot. So this is high-leverage, regular-season basketball with no more room for error. And it's these are good times if you're a basketball fan. Officially, welcome. Forget about your 5 o'clock hour. Welcome to March. It's not just an, it's not just an NCAA welcome anymore. It's an NBA welcome as well. Yeah, the regular season started a week ago. That's how you have to look at it. The first 58 some odd games were that was a pre- extended preseason. That's when you saw load management run wild. Now, if a guy's not playing who normally would be, it's cuz he's hurt. You don't have to worry about load management anymore unless you're talking about San Antonio, Houston, Charlotte or De- Detroit. You know, and maybe you can include uh, Orlando in that even though they're only they're only 4 games out of a play-in spot. And they're awful. So when they say Zubats might not play tonight, it's because he can't play. Not because uh, you know Ty Lue wants to rest him for their own back-to-back tomorrow. I agree. But there's also the whole element of, well, if your training staff says he's hit these metrics that mean you got to rest him. Why would now be any different than then? Because if you need the guy to play, you take chances. In game 50, you don't take a chance. You, just, you err on the side of whatever you say, Doc. 
now I think it's more the the competition starts to weigh more heavily. And I'm not saying that there is no load management, but what I'm saying is the 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 burden of proof has now shifted from the coach to the trainer in that the trainer's got to be able to convince the coach, "Hey, you really can't play him tonight." As opposed to, eh, it probably wouldn't be a good idea." Cuz sometimes the coach is going to say, well, it might be a good idea, but we need him right now. If the Warriors are honestly going to do something that truly represents an opportunity to repeat as an NBA champion, they need a March to remember. They need a month of March to remember because April only leaves for the Warriors four games and three of them are on the road. We know how much they've struggled on the road this year. It has sort of defined the situation they're in this year. God bless them. Somehow, some way, they really are two totally different teams. The team they are at home and the team they are on the road. Just looking at the team they are on the road, there's no reason to believe in the Golden State Warriors whatsoever. When you look at who they are, their house credit, and who they are at home, there's plenty of reasons to think remaining optimistic isn't nuts. It's not just fandom blind goofiness. It's not. To me, there is one favor that they absolutely need to do for themselves, right? Like, I don't see a chance to repeat truly presenting itself if they got to go through the play-in tournament as well. We're just talking about load management and Steph Curry and Andrew Wiggins and getting to the playoffs as healthy as possible. Any extra game tacked on is just another chance for something to go wrong. I think avoiding the play-in tournament, it's it's just too much for them to overcome. For a franchise that is obsessed with, you know, conserving player energy, this is not the type of energy you want to have to burn after you get through a month of March that is going to require you to burn as much fuel as you've got in your tank to get around the, 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 the damn track to then have to go overtime on your regular season fuel in the guise of it's a play-in tournament. So who knows what that really is. It regular, it's somewhere in between. It's in the ether. Like, there's no way they win and qualify in the play-in tournament and then rattle off 16 more playoff caliber wins. It just it feels like too much to ask. See, I, I think the problem is a little different, but I agree with you. They want to avoid the play-in. And the reason why is not necessarily because it's one extra game. It's Could be because two. it okay. Right. It still puts them in a position where their tournament starts playing Denver or Memphis. And if you can avoid them for as long as possible, your chances increase. Just because Denver, A, is the best team in the conference, and B, is a bear at home. Uh, you know, Memphis, they're going to grind you. And even if you can beat them, and I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility for Golden State, they, they'll, they'll put a body on a body. And one of the things that is almost always true about NBA champions, it's that they don't tax themselves early in the tournament. It's almost unheard of for a team to have to go six or seven games in the first round and finish up. Usually you build momentum by blowing through opponents quickly and then getting extra days of rest 
while you wait for the other series to sort themselves. So that's, the, I think, the, the bigger danger. I don't think so, it's so much about how many games you have to play in the play-in tournament as much as it is what's waiting for you on the other end of it. I would agree. At the same time, winning three in a row is hard for this team. Winning four in a row, uh, it, it, it hasn't happened many times. Five wins is their longest winning streak, I believe, of the entire year. If they were to win tonight, they would be three games above 500. They haven't seen four games above 500 this season. To talk about a team that has never been four games above 500 as a shot to win an NBA title, boy, you have earned some serious house credit. We are extending you a marker only given to whales when they walk in the casino. I mean, it's 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 nuts. It's nuts to think of this team as a serious contender for an NBA championship when they haven't put seven good games together all year. No, they, they have not earned any optimism. That's Yet optimism true. remains. Oh, no, because optimism is always going to remain as long as you've got a chip and a chair. They, still, they have a chip and a chair. They presumably will get better when Curry comes back. They presumably will get better again when Wiggins comes back. And they presumably will get even a little bit better than that whenever Peyton gets cleared. Because I'm not sure that he's going to get cleared before the end of the regular season anyway. And I don't think they're planning on that. But that's, that's their chip in their chair is that they're going to have the benefit of what is essentially a second trade deadline where they get to get better and everybody else doesn't. Question from the 415 on the Xfinity mobile text line. What's the most favorable matchup? I don't even think they know. Is there a favorable matchup? Yeah. Uh, I, I guess you run into the Lakers because they got in too. You know, I mean, would that be your matchup? A, I, I don't even know. What is the most favorable matchup for the Golden State Warriors? Pelicans feels like a path of, I don't want to even say least resistance, less resistance. I don't think the Pelicans are going to be a concern because they've lost 15 of their last 20 and there's still no indication that Zion's coming back anytime soon. When you've lost 15 of 20, that's basically being the Pistons. It's going in the wrong direction. It's not only going in, it's at a, at a it's aggressive rate of speed. Yes. So I don't think they can be in the tournament if they're missing uh, Williamson much longer. And I think the Lakers might very well drop out of this entirely. Uh if they're going to be missing LeBron for up, upwards of a month. You know, I don't know how they hang. So but those might not even be teams they have to concern themselves with. I think they're better than Utah. I think they're better than Minnesota. I think they're better than Dallas if they're healthy. And if, and if, they, and if they defend, they're definitely better than all of them. Now, if you want to look above that, you know, do they, how well do they match up with Phoenix? I think that's a tough one for them. Uh, I think they would probably prefer, you know, playing Sacramento. Here's the thing. The reason why Sacramento, and, and I am not trying to disrespect the Kings, the season that they've had, or the potential that they possess in any way. But if the Warriors had a choice between you are going to take on a team that has some playoff experience or the, the most likely to be wide-eyed at a playoff experience that the Sacramento Kings 
would be it. I mean, it, it feels like you got to knock on the door a couple times before you're let in. The not not only have the Kings historically not knocked on the door, they don't even have the address. They're gonna this year. They're gonna reach the postseason. There's no doubt about that. And the games at Golden One Center are gonna feel like those early days of the Warriors dynasty, just in terms of energy. Like that building, Kings fans are going to, for a moment in time, reclaim the loudest fan base in the NBA. Yeah, I. I but I. The reason why I say the Kings is. Because not because they're new to this, but because they defend so poorly, and I think teams that defend poorly don't tend to last long. Well, then that's a big problem for the Warriors. Well, but if the Warriors get into a situation where they're all of a sudden either playing in the second round or they finish sixth and they draw the Kings in the first round, it means their defense has been repaired, at least to a certain extent. And the Kings basically you say, we're going to have one more point than you. No matter how many you score, I mean they're they have the worst defense of any team in the top twenty, the top ten in either either conference. They let you score because they think they can score more than you, and I think that's it's a loser's game eventually because even this year, the team with the best defense is going to win, and. That's why I think Cleveland might be the livest underdog on either side of the bracket. But the Kings, they do have that one flaw. And I think if the Warriors get themselves squared away, they can exploit it as well as anybody. Because they can score against anybody. And they can do some lockdowns. It's also a pretty easy road trip. For a team that struggles on the road... It's the least amount of road traveled between you and the next NBA building. So Yeah, that's another thing. You pr- pr- pretty much would like to avoid having to go back and forth to Memphis in the first round because of that. Or Denver. Well, Denver's not as bad, but it presents it presents problems once you land. Yeah. But in terms of just travel, I mean, remember their first um their first championship, it was New Orleans, it was Memphis. And then Houston in the, in the conference final. So longest three trips any team has ever ma- had to make and ending up winning. Is there anything that could happen in this final month for Jokic to lose his pole position, his comfortable pole position of the MVP conversation? Injury. That's it. He's too good, too many nights. Even when he, he's, he stumbles around offensively and only gets 14... He's still getting 11 assists and 10 rebounds. He never has a game in which he's inert, let alone bad. That's why I think he's a lock unless he gets hurt. If he were to lose out on it, who is your 1A? Or there is no 1A. Who is your second up to bat? Maybe Jason Tatum. Maybe Giannis if they if they hold on and win the East. That's that's where I was going. I was going to either Tatum or Giannis probably. Yeah. I mean it is, it's it's you know, there are not a lot of you know you know I suppose you could say Ja, but I think it would be hard to take the take the best guy on the team that finished behind Jokic. I think Jokic is far and away the Western Conference's best chance of winning that again. I can't argue with it. But I don't like it historically. 
I just and, and I know history doesn't care, and I know you don't care that I don't like it historically, but a third MVP is essentially saying, "Hello, welcome to the single greatest of all time club." One of the greatest that has ever played. Jokic is very, 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 very good. Are you taking him, though, ahead of Wilt Chamberlain or Shaquille O'Neal? I mean, three MVPs is only reserved for the greatest of the best 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 of the history of basketball. I mean, like, I... I don't know why I'm having trouble feeling that. I know why you're having trouble feeling it. It doesn't have a ring. There's only one other multiple MVP in the history of the league that never came away with a ring, and that's Steve Nash. Every other multiple MVP winner came up with at least one ring and more in most cases. I think that's why it's a struggle for some people. That said, that's not Jokic's problem. His problem is to be the best player he can be night in and night out in the regular season because that's a regular season award. The ring is something that doesn't affect the MVP. It just, they vote as soon as the regular season's over. So it's a regular season award and he's been the best player in the regular season. Somebody said, how could you not even consider Embiid? How can you not even mention Embiid on the text line? Well, because the players that we did mention are on the two teams that are above the 76ers. Look, Embiid's been fantastic. There's no doubt about it. He'll get a ton of second and third place votes. Right. But he won't. I don't believe he'll get any first place votes. That's why I didn't mention him. Tatum might get a first place vote. He might get a first place vote. Giannis might get a first place vote. I mean, and Embiid's been sensational. He's been great. But you know what? That's why they have multiple spots on the ballot. And he'll get a ton of seconds and thirds, or more likely thirds and fourths. And it will seem like he's getting jobbed, but the fact is, he hasn't been the best player in the regular season. He's been great, but he hasn't been the greatest. 888-957-9570. This is kind of funny. This is from about a half an hour ago when we were talking about the pitch clock in baseball. Unintended consequences of the pitch clock, as you brought up, as Tim Kirkjian brought up when we talked to him a couple of weeks ago, the pitch clock could be just as hard, if not even harder on the hitters than it is the pitcher. Maybe, maybe that's revealed. The pitch clock is going to be difficult on getting your bullpen up, ready, stalling for time on quick decisions. Well, all your decisions need to be quick decisions now coming from, you know, the dugout. How about this from the 510? Hey, guys, great show. Also regarding the pitch clock, you know, most teams cut off beer sales in the seventh inning. What if that now means you're cutting off beer sales about an hour and 15, hour and a half into the game? How much is that going to upset owners? Um, They'll open the concessions an hour earlier. They're not going to leave beer laying there. And even if they do. Even if they're losing, did you see what Larry Bear announced that Coors, Coors Lights are going to be nine dollars as opposed to the thirteen, fourteen dollars they were last year? So hey, cheaper, awful, 
beer at the ballpark is fine because you're just looking for a cold beer on a, on a hot sunny day. So that's great. $9 beers sound really good to me at a ballpark. And then the only place a $9 beer sounds good to me is at a ballpark because it's the only place in the world that dare sell me a $9 beer besides, you know, the rest of the world of sports. But as they are reducing the price of one beer, they're adding more. It, it, everything else in the ballpark becomes more expensive. Yeah, they have to figure out a way, and this is actually an unintended consequence of last year. They have to find the 900,000 people that didn't attend baseball last year that did in 2018, which was the, or 2019, which was the last full unencumbered 81-game home schedule the Giants had. Their attendance has dropped off by that much in three years. And I'm throwing out the two COVID years because they don't count. There's just one year, there's no play, no, there are 60 games. The other one was a restricted park for half the year. They have lost almost a million paying fans in three years. And they lost tons of people coming off a 107 win team. So people weren't jazzed by that last year. There was no, no residual effects from last season. So, so should the Giants be angry at their lack of own star power? Not if, only that. If you're Logan Webb, are you throwing at Aaron Judge first game, game one? Sure, if you want Aaron Judge to come and beat the hell out of you. Uh, no, I think that the Giants have a fundamental issue here that they've never had to deal with before, which is they're not an automatic draw anymore. They can't point to the ballpark and say, Come on in, because everybody who's ever wanted to see the park has. has seen it multiple times. The ballpark is law. I mean, it's it's the most beautiful, perfect ballpark in America. It's almost a quarter century old. Having said all that, it's lost its luster. The team has lost its luster. The roster has lost its luster. The sport itself is so concerned with its own luster. They are greasing the skids of shoving baseball past you as fast as humanly possible because they're admitting no one's going to sit around and watch this crap if it's on too long, which is to me it, it was never really a problem but they invented it as the biggest problem in the game but, but so here we are. But you know why they invented that as the problem? Because you can measure raw time. You can't measure action. Right. You can't measure, you know, all the all the at bats that not only took forever but ended up with a walk or a strikeout because it's not about the time of the game it's about the pace of the game i mean they 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 hover around the problem but now the way hitters view an at bat is so ingrained that you would have to train an entire generation of upcoming hitters in high school college and the minor leagues to stop worrying about launch angle and stop worrying about working a count until it bleeds. And I don't know that that's, that well, one, it can't be a quick fix, and I'm not sure it's a fix at all. They have to hope that the pitch clock works. And by works, I mean juices up offense. Because if it doesn't, I don't know what their next play is. Unless they, again, unless they want to jack up the balls again, and allow hitters to use nuclear-powered bats. From Obajan, if I, if I got that right, from the 415, he says, hitting is timing, 
pitching is disrupting that timing, the pitch clock is already disrupting that timing. You're right. The adjustments that young players need to make are probably easier to the new rule book than older players who have carved out successful major league careers by being who they are to this point in their careers. Now they're going to be asked to be different. Ray, what if we asked you to be different? How much would you love that? Oh, you'd never see me again. Exactly. Exactly. There are going to be an awful lot of pissed off veterans that either bite their tongue or start badmouthing this. Oh, they'll badmouth it, but you know, the only thing that's going to change it is if hitting goes down again. That's the only that's the only way around this. And well, if they're if they're going to be religious about going it's 15 seconds, you will see a lot of at bats where like the one that Carlos Correa had the other day where he stepped out for a minute and then all of a sudden realized the rules are different and raced back in and had about three seconds to get his his footing and his grip right before he looked at another pitch. And he didn't break his leg as he was getting his repaired no. leg that the Giants just couldn't afford getting back in the batter's box? Well, I mean, the, the Giants, and this is part of what their problem is now, going back to the, the crowds that aren't there anymore. They never explained their thinking on this. They just remained quiet. And they let the narrative create itself. And right now, they have to be in control of the narrative more than ever. That's one of those where Farhan Zaidi had to do a thing he doesn't want to do, which is come out and explain himself. And they have to do it in a timely way. And they didn't do that either. Hey, they won't even admit or say on the record whether he's a lame duck GM, has a new contract. I mean, where... What is the end game of that remaining a mystery? Tell me why that makes sense. Uh, because if you introduce it as a as a as an issue even before the season starts, it becomes the issue. The the Warriors didn't say anything about Bob Myers' contract either, but somebody ferreted that out, and now it's a talking point almost every day. What they ought to be doing, if they wanted to control that story is for Farhan to come out and say, whether you believe it or not, I'm fine with this. I'm okay with worrying about my contract at the end of the year. It's not a problem for me. And if it's not a problem for him, technically it shouldn't be a problem for anybody else. It doesn't work that way most times, but at least you're acknowledging that that's an issue that you at least need to get your hands around. The Giants never used to have to worry about PR. The PR created itself. Now with Farhan in charge of everything that isn't the business department and Greg Johnson being in charge of the business department, PR has suddenly become unimportant to them. And if it's unimportant to them at a time like this, their crowds are going to go down again this year. And then Farhan needs to have $350 million handy for a free agent. Is the answer going to be, we can't afford it? No, 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 no. No one, thanks to the San Diego Padres, ever, ever gets to say we can't afford that in baseball. What they just did with Manny Machado, I mean, you, huh? you no, there is no more crime broke in baseball. You're no, lying. I, I, I know. I know, I know yeah. you're not lying. Yeah, but I'm just, I know, but my, my point is the Padres are, are kind of a special case in the same way that the Mets are a special case, the Phillies are a special case. And 
to a certain extent, the Yankees are a special case. Even the Dodgers are worrying about money now. Right, but they've been spending like drunken sailors they for have, the last decade. The reason why they're fighting so hard to not have to pay Trevor Bauer is because they are worried about the tax now. San Diego isn't because their owner says, you know what? I'm getting up there in years. I have more money than I can count, and I want a parade. That's what John Middleton flat out said. He's the Phillies owner. Flat out said, nobody remembers how much money the 27 Yankees made. Nobody remembers how much money the red, big red machine made in the 70s. They remembered winners. I want to be remembered. Those are the owners that are starting to creep into baseball. And it's why baseball is trying to force you know, more discussions three years ahead of time about a salary cap. Because there are still more guys who don't want to spend money than guys who do. Well, and baseball has officially created a system that punishes owners who want to spend an awful lot to win and rewards owners like John Fisher, who we all know are the living embodiment of sports Satan. But you know what? They, the NBA wanted to do that, too, and it didn't work because there were owners who said, you know what? I'll pay the tax. I mean, how much tax is enough? You know, maybe they raise it to every dollar over the cap, you pay 10 times or what you they 15 need to, times. What they need to do is create a minimum salary, and every dollar you're under that, you get charged 10 times. You know, I mean, like, oh, yeah. they need to be punitive on a lack of spending more than they need to be punitive on overspending. But the people who put in the salary cap are the owners, and the owners aren't going to punish themselves. That's the problem there, is they want, they want to force a salary cap into the discussion, even though the CBA's got three more years to run. Right. Okay, so salary cap is going to be the single biggest non-starter for the most powerful union in the oh. history of unions, that's why and that's where baseball dies. That's why 2026 is going to start with a lockout, unless the owners blink. Great. Howard in San Francisco. Thank you, Howard. You're on 95.7 The Game. Hello. Hey, how are you guys doing today? Very well, thank you. Good. Hey, I just want to put my two cents in regarding baseball. Um, a couple years back, they were saying that uh, no one watches their uh, World Series. That, you know, it's just a local thing, which is true, I'm quite sure. But It's the one sport that loses viewers the deeper it gets into the postseason. It truly is. Yeah, well, if they start their season a little earlier, like a month earlier instead of April 1st, then, you know, maybe they could finish the season with a couple of doubleheaders or whatever um, towards the end of August. And that way they could start their postseason before many other sports start up. And I think that will lure a lot of people to the sport uh, if they're watching the World Series right before football starts. You know, uh, nothing else will be on TV. You know, I, it's not football that is crushing the World Series, except one night a week. The, the, the World Series doesn't draw well on any night of the week. That's me, the problem. To me, the only thing that really lures people to the game of baseball is developing a love of the game of Major League Baseball when you're a kid. How many kids today like baseball? Would you say the average age of the average baseball viewer is 58 years old? I mean, that's a good way to sell Grand Slam early bird breakfasts in Miami to old people. 
than it is. That's why Denny's draws more fans than the Marlins. Well, two moons over Miami, right? I mean, come on, we all have standards. Yeah, I mean, they, yeah well, I mean, they just they have a deeper footprint than the Marlins. But no, it's they they have. It is a game that doesn't do well if you're watching on your phone. And every other criticism of it wraps itself around that. You know, it's, oh, the games are too long. Well, if you're not watching, they're not long at all. Um, why aren't you watching? Because it's boring. Why is it boring? Because nothing ever happens. Why does nothing ever happen? Because hitters only do one thing now. And speed is not valued. Stolen bases are discouraged. All the things that made baseball a vibrant sport 40 years ago are are being slowly crushed out of it. Now, the culture's changed, too. And there's nothing they can do about that. But their reluctance to deal with the real problem about the entertainment of the game, where the culture is about don't be exuberant don't be flashy don't be bigger than bigger than life took a little bit of a hit last year when Aaron Judge went for 62 because Aaron Judge not only hit a ton of home runs he's a massive player and so you got sort of drawn to him in ways that that hasn't happened since they freaked out about steroids and in fact the steroid issue was basically baseball flogging itself for, you know, getting caught, you know, looking the other way on drugs. And they've been paying that that price ever since. Now, they're probably nostalgic for those days. They probably, if you filled them full of sodium pentothal, which, of course, is another drug, they'd probably say, you know what? Bonds made us a lot of money. And so did all the other guys who had needles in their rear ends. But they didn't. They kept all the money, and then they shamed those guys. So now they can't go back on that. They can't say, you know what, we're going to look the other way on steroids now. We've decided we were being puritanical. No, they're, they're too pot committed to that. They slowly but surely denigrate their own game while profiting from it at every turn. So in some ways, they deserve what they're getting. Well, and, and, and who does a worse job getting people into the tent than this current commissioner? He is the antithesis of, you know, I kind of like what that guy's selling. I mean, no one likes Rob Manfred, including Rob Manfred. Well, Mar- Mar- Rob Manfred is doing a job he doesn't really want to do. He, he's not, he doesn't exude enjoyment of the game. And say whatever you want about Bud Selig. He loved the game. Now, he might have been, you know, miscast in a bunch of other ways. But the commissioner basically is only working for the owners anyway. Bud Selig was a better example of what the modern commissioner is supposed to be. A guy who takes orders from 30 billionaires, but looks like he's having fun doing it. Like, Roger Goodell doesn't look like he's having fun doing it. You know what Roger Goodell's most interested in now? Is banning the tush push. Which feels stupid. It's absolutely stupid. Why does he care? It helped the Philadelphia Eagles be one of the most vibrant teams in football last year. Why is that a problem? Because it doesn't look good. According to who? It's better than a punt. Sure. Hell yes, it's better than a punt. It makes the game... It actually does what the game is trying to do, which is slowly but surely make the punt a genuinely negative play as opposed to a 
potentially, you know, positive play for right. your defense. Well, there will be moments where it's the tip of the spear. In other moments, it's a total wuss move that means you're unaggressive or unable as an offense. Yeah, I mean, just the, the fact is the Eagles built a team that could benefit from this particular gambit. And so you're going to punish it because it looks too much like rugby? Stop thinking. Go make more money for your 32 overlords and shut up. You know a problem, too, with baseball that it faces and, you know, the whole, you talk about the culture war of pimping your own home run or being too vibrant celebrating a play or this, that, the other thing. You can't be monochromatic in terms of diversity, in terms of color, in terms of just per styles, styles, and 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 baseball used to have teams that were identified by the style that they would play. There is no difference in the way any team style is played out right now. The question is, do you have enough to do it without a lot of platoons, or are you going to go platoon away? Like that's that's it. The only styles that are different in baseball is a lot of platooning, not a lot of platooning. But everyone is swinging both cheeks, launch angle, and it has, it's really hurt the game. Like, you can't take all of the color and fun out of the game, literally and figuratively, and that is what baseball has done in some ways. Why the rule change? Are there reasons for it? Sure. We're going to examine it one last time, maybe a little evidence to back up the, re the, the reasoning of a pitch clock, but... Maybe when it's all said and done, it doesn't work. We don't know. We're also going to come on back and give you a health update. Who is playing? Who's not playing for the Clippers tonight? How about the Golden State Warriors saying a little something about Steph Curry's return? Maybe sooner than you actually think. So stick around. That's how we're going to wrap up today's show. Good to be back after a vacation. Man, it's like, it's like I never left. Go ahead and take your headphones off, Ray. I know you're going to break. I know you're excited. Yeah, well, I'll be excited in 16 minutes. That's or 15. Nice. Actually, we turn the clock back so we get out at 5.54 again. That's my guy. Is that true? It's true enough. See, you can tell Ray was driving a few days next week. I'm going to be honest with you. He's drunk with power. If nobody can, if nobody can countermand it, it's 5.54 today. Damon and Ratto, brought to you by Bob's Discount Furniture. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the Launch Your Online Shop stage 
to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Podcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odyssey podcast. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now back to Damon and Ratto on 95.7 The Game. For all of our best content, just go to YouTube, search 95.7 The Game. You click the subscribe button and boom, every single show we do, all of the interviews, not just from us, but every show on the station. The most interesting segments, all the behind the scenes content from the Warriors, much, much more. It's all there on 95.7 The Game's YouTube page. Subscribe. And thank you very much for doing so. Uh, we're wrapping things up here. Damon and Ratto on 95.7 The Game. We're reminding you that coming up next on The Game is brought to you by Fremont Bank. It's Warriors Live. John Dickinson getting you ready for Warriors and Clippers. And we got updates. Ray, uh, life is going to be rough for the Warriors without Steph Curry and Andrew Wiggins. Still no word on Andrew Wiggins and why he is... Uh, needing so much personal time away, he gets all the time he needs. Personal time means there's something up with the family, something up with health, something up with who knows. Could be a million things that you face in your own life. So Andrew Wiggins gets all the grace he needs here. Hopefully everything is okay and he comes back soon enough. Steve Kerr says there is a chance that Steph Curry could return on Sunday in Los Angeles. So... That's a game against the Lakers. That would be a large return game for Steph Curry if indeed that could happen. Well, it's the first real semi-definitive word about a target date. And it's in keeping with the way the Warriors always handle injuries, which is, we'll tell you when we tell you. I don't know if that automatically means he's going to play, but it might depend on you know what the Lakers are bringing. Here is Steve Kerr on this very subject. 
he's had a good chance these last few days to to get up and down but before that he was doing a lot of you know one-on-o workouts that included a lot of running and movement so he's getting close is sunday a possibility i suppose it is um he won't play tomorrow but uh, we'll reevaluate probably in the next couple of days so there you go not tonight against the clippers not tomorrow against the pelicans after that let optimism run wild uh the chances of beating the clippers have increased just a touch before the game even tips off tonight zubats and marcus morris are out they were both downgraded to questionable to doubtful to now out so uh it's not easy to beat the clippers last time we saw them we we were reminded how good Kawhi can be how effortless it looks for him like all the greats make it look effortless he does at times Paul George when he's on one he's a problem and now it's Russell Westbrook you know that's that that that's that's talent sometimes it blows up in your face Warriors know about talent blowing up in their own faces, so we'll see who can survive the other tonight. This is a big game. These two teams are in a dead heat for the five seed. The winner tonight feels like it's got you know more than a game in hand on this one. I mean, we're at the we're at the 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 point of the year where you're all out of time. It's time to play. It's it's winning time right now in all of March. That's the excitement of the NBA's regular season. Well, and the Warriors have two games in hand on the Clippers, so it would be essentially more than a game. Because they they've still got twenty to, to deal with. The Clippers are down to eighteen. Because as we were told earlier, the NBA really front loaded the Clippers schedule this year. And they've been they played more games than anybody else almost the entire year. Uh we wanna let you know that these baseball rule changes that we've been talking about quite a bit today. Over the last twenty five years of baseball, it's incredible how much the game has changed. And 25 years is a long time to you and me, but it's really not to Major League Baseball. Um, Baseball teams over the last 25 years hitting under 240. Between 1999, Ray, and 2009, so that's 11 seasons, not a single baseball team carried a batting average under 240. In 2010, there was one team that came in under 240. It was the Seattle Mariners, so nobody cared. In 2011, it was two teams. It was the Mariners again. It was the Padres again. Two unwatched West Coast unloved teams. Nobody cared. In 2012, it actually grew to five teams. The Mariners, the Astros, the A's, the Rays, and the Cubs. Again, Mariners, Astros, A's, and Rays all sort of check the box of nobody's paying attention, nobody really cares. Cubs fans might have complained. But there would be a reward there. But it wasn't in 2013 when five other teams, again, the Mariners, Marlins, Mets, Cubs, and Astros, all came in under 240. Now we get to 2014. We're back to four teams. The Mets, the Reds, the Padres, and Cubs. You got a lot of don't, no, nobody cares there. In 2015, zero teams, zero teams dropped to under 240. Kansas City, by the way, beat the Mets in that World Series. So any Mets fans who were complaining, that was the start of a little bit of a rebuild for them. And they had to feel pretty good about their World Series appearance. In 2016, only one team came in under 240, Ray. It was the Padres. Again, nobody cares. It's the freaking Padres. 
And any Cubs fan that had been complaining about the bottoming out was rewarded with the first World Series in 107 seasons. So that ends all complaining right there. 2017, your trash can Houston Astros. They have the best batting average in baseball, so they dig themselves out of among the worst to all the way to being the best by winning the World Series. The Padres still sucked and nobody cares, but tanking to get better has now officially been rewarded three different times in consecutive World Series. Shifts are now happening everywhere, and the math era completely takes hold of every front office in baseball. Again, styles became... There are no styles. Everyone's monochromatic. Everyone looks the same. In 2018, it was eight teams hitting under 240. 2019, only four, but then it got bonkers. Because in 2020, 2021, and 2022, pandemic could have played a part of this, 11 teams, 12 teams, 14 teams. Those are massive jumps. And that's why the pitch clock, banning the shift, all of this stuff is being thrown at the game right now. It's a little bit of a panic move. But baseball probably needed to panic a little. They know it. Well, the bigger problem than batting average, which you know the metric people have sort of decried as a not valuable stat statistic, dovetailed with a lowering of average runs per game. The runs are the elemental part of baseball. And if you're not scoring as much and you're not creating as much action, then you're going to have problems. And the fact is, the game not only got more static, it got less interesting. And you could prove it statistically, you could prove it stylistically, and now they are, oh my God, the problem is the games are too long. We're going to put a ghost runner on second base so that extra innings don't last as long. And we're gonna, now we're going to put in a pitch clock. Does the pitch clock answer the problem that they've always had? No, it doesn't. It misses it. And... If they manage to get more offense out of this season, then they'll proclaim victory. But we'll see what they do with it. Because every other rule change they've managed in that 25 years, you know, you know, juice up the baseball, juice up the bats, deaden the baseball, make the ball inconsistent. They've done haphazardly, and the game has gotten slower, less active, and more static than ever. If they don't recognize what the problem is, it doesn't matter what the rule change is. And they don't recognize what the problem is yet. Hey, thanks to Law Murray for joining us to get you ready for one of the bigger games of the entire NBA season for the Warriors. Yeah, that's pretty much how we're going to sell every remaining game for the Warriors to you. The time for wasting basketball games has come to an end. Thanks to Law for joining us. Uh, Grandy, Lucas, good to see you both again. Ray, Darling, Pookie, nice to be with you again. Don't even turn your mic on. Just wave goodbye to the camera. There he goes, everybody. And there I go, too. Stick around. John Dickinson, Warriors Live is next. Sports don't build character. They reveal it. And like that, he's gone. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.